0: This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, up front, up close, and in full bloom. Mark Cullen, how does your garden grow? You know him for so many reasons. Cullen Country Barns in Markham with his dad, Len. Then there was Wheel and Cullen Nurseries. Mark Cullen later became the national spokesperson for Home Hardware with his very own brand, Mark's Choice. But I'll bet you didn't know this about him. He was awarded the Order of Canada for his connection to everyday Canadians through gardening. He is the volunteer chair of the Highway of Heroes tree planting campaign, honorary patron of the Share Agricultural Foundation, helping farmers in need in Central and South America, national spokesperson for the Composting Council of Canada, and board member emeritus for Canada. Canada blooms. He has written two dozen books, including Escape to Reality, of which he is particularly proud. Best of all, perhaps, his son Ben is just as passionate as he about Canada's most popular outdoor leisure time activity, gardening. So what's that expression, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Well, that tree joins us now in conversation. Mark Cullen, Welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Anne. I've never been referred to as a tree before.
0: <laughs> and your son is following in your footsteps, and those are big shoes to fill. How did Ben become interested in this magical world of growing and gardening?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, you know, he's, he's a millennial. He turns 30 in September. And his interest in my work and horticulture or gardening, as you refer to it, uh, really stems from two things. Number one, food. And he's so typical of millennials this way. They have this intense interest in food, growing their own food, having control over the quality of the food that they consume, and the experience of engaging with nature through, through the vegetable garden, the, the fruit trees and uh, the berry bushes. That's one, and the other is the environment, and again, I think he's not alone where millennials are concerned. In fact, they're kind of dragging our generation along behind them, I think, and with this genuine concern and where we're going with the human treatment of the environment, and the garden provides a wonderful opportunity, in fact, many opportunities for us to make the world environmentally a much better place to live.
0: I also think that it has helped in many ways a lot of us get through this pandemic. You know, to be able to, when we're we're in quarantine, we're self-isolating, we're isolating with our families through the worst of the pandemic, we would look out our front window or our back window or step out into our gardens and just go,
1: (laughs) It's true. You know what happened? The pandemic Advanced the growing population, popularity of gardening by ten years. So in a year and a half, we're all all of a sudden in the year twenty thirty, and by that I mean Canadians were generate were had a growing interest in gardening. It's it's we've been on fast forward ever since for exactly the reasons you mentioned.
0: So when did you first figure out that you had an ability, a talent to help make things grow?
1: <laughs> well, I thank my dad for that. Um, my my father, uh, raised in North Toronto, uh, met a career gardener when he was delivering newspapers in his teens. His name was John Wheel. He was 30 years older than my dad and a veteran of the First World War. Um, interesting man. He and 150 guys from his hometown in England uh, signed up on the same day and him, and one other guy came back at the end of the war. So John was a fascinating survivor of a guy, and my dad was totally engaged by him. He becomes a career gardener, my father, through John. And then when I got out of school, my dad invited me to join him in the business, and I discovered I can do this. I don't believe, by the way, Ann, that you and I have a green thumb or that any of your listeners necessarily have a green thumb. It's something you can learn, and I learned it.
0: What is it that excites you about it, though? Obviously, the business is interesting and intriguing, and you're an intelligent man. You always have been, and you take on projects, and you make them work. So the business works and works really well. But what about that other side of it, the sort of leafy-greeny, touchy-feely side of it? Where does that sit with you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in a word, if if the question is what really attracts you, what (laughs) keeps you there, what gets you up in the morning, it would be oxygen. All of the oxygen we breathe comes from the green living world. But let's not leave it there because that's a very one-dimensional sort of view of gardening. The fact is that when we get out into the garden, we're giving our brains oxygen. We're giving our brains a rest from from electronic media, from the problems that might bother us, the things that keep us up at night. Uh, uh, the garden provides a psychological respite from the world we know. I want to say the real world, but you know, that takes me to the title of our book escape to reality. The premise of the book was this. Uh, we think that we spin in our own orbit and we don't, we spin in an orbit that is in partnership with mother nature and the real world that we think is in the recording studio or our living room or, uh, the, the office, or the home office, for that matter, that's not the real world. The real world is beyond all of that, and and that's what I find so engaging. Mm.
0: I like how you frame this. So we live in a in a country, in, a, in an area, you and I and all of the listeners now in York Region and beyond, pretty much four seasons, uh, and some would even just say two seasons. How difficult is that for you to envision what you what gives you strength and gives you hope and a reason to get up, and that's a beautiful garden or a beautiful, you know, scene of horticulture when it's in the dead of winter here in
1: Canada? <laughs> well, it's such a great question because people imagine themselves in Florida or Costa Rica gardening 36, 365 days a year, and that that would somehow be paradise. i got news for you. Living in Canada is paradise because of change. Every day I get up and I go out into my garden, I see change. Yesterday, I counted 13 green frogs in my pond. That's a record for the season. Change. I see tadpoles that are developing lakes. Change. I see uh, leaves and growth on my trees, which I love watching to grow. Uh, Change. And come winter, gardeners are one of the few let's put it this way, hobbyists in the country, uh, they get a, get a season off. Like if, if you're a knitter or a sewer or you play billiards or whatever, maybe if you're a golfer, you get a, you get a season off. But the, the difference between golf and – golfers are not going to like this <laughs> – golf and gardening is that ours is a creative endeavor. And so what, we, what gardeners do in the winter, Ann, is they read. They, they listen to podcasts. They seek out information to enrich their mind and develop the vision they have for the upcoming season's garden. And that's why no two seasons in the garden are the same. No two gardens are the same. No two gardeners take the same approach.
0: You were awarded the Order of Canada for your connection to everyday Canadians, people like me, through gardening. What did that mean to you?
1: Oh, it's... You know, to have your peers nominate you for the Order of Canada is uh, just such an incredible honor. And I still feel I I have to pause when I answer that question because I don't really know how to put into words the very special privilege it is to be a member of the Order of Canada and the responsibility, I think, that, that goes with that. And I reflect on the reasons why... Uh, the Governor General at that time, David Johnston, awarded me the Order of Canada. And I reflect on those reasons and I say to myself, Mark, you have a task. You have to keep, you have to keep at this because there's no end to it. Canadians need their eyes open to the, to the wonderful benefits of the gardening experience and I remain de- dedicated to it partly because the Order of Canada re-energized me. And you
0: have taken that gardening experience and your your respect for it to a whole different level. The Highway of Heroes tree planting campaign, can you tell me about it? <laughs> mm.
1: Well, what an adventure and what a wonderful experience outside of my box or, you know, life experience to plant 117,000 trees on the Highway of Heroes, which as you know, runs from CFB Trenton to the coroner's office at Keel Street in the 401. 117,000 trees because Canada has lost 117,000 lives at war since the War of 1812, including, by the way, just as a footnote, almost 5,000 indigenous people. We've planted another 1.8 million trees just on the other side of the farmer's fence along the Highway of Heroes. In fact, the 401... Um, 1.8 million, meaning one tree for each Canadian that volunteered for military service during times of war, including, of course, the Afghan war.
0: And so that is meaningful to anyone who has loved and lost or has learned about anything to do with the military, with war, with death, with survival, with moving forward in a democratic society. It, it means so much, and particularly when people understand the reason for the campaign and the success mm. so far. Now you've you've pivoted from that, but you've learned from that experience. What are you doing now in terms of tree planting, and for whom are you doing this?
1: Uh, well, am so glad you asked this question. It should be said that we are fully funded now. We have we set out to raise ten million dollars and forty five hundred Canadians, including corporations, but private Canadians came to the table with over half of the amount we needed. The other half came from various government funding, including vet affairs in Ottawa. So being fully funded, we we that is the board, the volunteer board of the Highway Heroes Street campaign, we looked at one another and we said we can't walk away from this. We have learned too much. We are all lay people who knew nothing about raising money, about planting trees in such quantity, so many things we've learned. And the answer became, let the next chapter be trees for life, Canadian trees for life. Let's expand it out of Ontario, right across the country. And let's plant trees for our frontline workers, for our first responders, for those who people who during the pandemic have lost their lives and the families that are dealing with that loss. Let's plant trees for them right across the country. So we applied to um, uh, ENERCAN, that's the Ministry of Natural Resources through the federal government, part of the 2 billion tree program that the liberals have instigated. And we were awarded $2 million in seed money on the condition that we match it. So we have... And by the way, we've already raised 1.3 million of the two million we promised we would raise. So we're on a campaign right now to raise 700,000 dollars to cop it up to, us, to the four million dollars we promised. And with that money, we're going to plant over 275,000 trees from Nova Scotia right through to uh, well, to the western boundary of Ontario, but we're going to, we're going to continue west when we get going.
0: Wow, and I'm I'm ashamed to say that this is the first I've heard of this campaign. How can I find out more? How can anyone listening right now find out how they they can contribute, participate, plant in any way, shape, or form, be a part of this incredible project?
1: Uh, treesforlife.ca.com treesforlife.ca, and you'll get all that information, and it will inform you about where your money is going, how to donate, and if you want to donate in the memory of someone, maybe there's a frontline worker that you're fond of, you want to, you know, whatever. It's all there, including our story. There's a reflection there on the Highway of Heroes tree campaign, and um, uh, treesforlife.ca.
0: I want to talk now about Mark and Ben. Ben and Mark. Your son is uh, this vibrant, outgoing, incredibly intelligent young man, very much like you with a little bit of an age difference. (laughs) So what's it like working together on a project that you both are passionate about?
1: (laughs) Well, it's so much fun. Um, You know, Ben is an interesting combination of characteristics and qualities. He does, he does have the gift to communicate. And if I can suggest that, you know, I enjoy communicating. I've worked on my communication skills over the last 35, 40 years. And, and he doesn't have to work very hard at it. He can express himself very well. So when we get together on stage, on radio, uh, writing a newspaper column for the Toronto Star, when we get together, a certain synergy occurs. And I can only hope and wish for every um, parent and child that get together through a business they have the kind of experience that we do. And I think the priority is fun, like we just yeah. have fun, especially when we're doing live presentations and we're on stage. He gives me a hard time, I give him a hard time, <laughs> we hug each other, and we, and we just love it. So the experiences have been a good one, and he's, he's got the independent gene. So we went out and started his own business called Cullen's Foods, and he's in the bean business.
0: Hmm. Wow. So growing a business together, growing it apart, but growing a relationship, which I think is the most important thing in life at this point. So I have a really weird question to ask you just before we say goodbye. You talk about communication, and you do it so well. Do you ever talk to your plants?
1: <laughs> I, I do, but I don't use English words. Uh, I, I very definitely do. I especially like talking to trees. I live in a 10-acre garden. It was a field of soybeans when we moved there 17 years ago, and I reforested the whole thing. And, and very few things in life give me as much joy as just watching them grow. And, uh, yes, I talk to them, but I, I also talk to the birds.
0: <laughs> and the bees as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, not so much the bees. One of <laughs> them me the other day, and I wasn't very happy about that. But no, the, the birds for sure. I, I love birds, and my favorite bird is the hummingbird. And every so often, while I'm in the garden pulling weeds or whatever, I hear a buzz, and it's there's there's a hummingbird just watching mm-hmm. me, probably watching my hat. I don't know what it's watching, <laughs> but there it is, and you can and you can hear it, and and it's such a, a wonderful experience to communicate with a hummingbird but I've done it.
0: I love it. Thank you, Mark Cullen. You are an extraordinary human being. And now I know how your garden grows. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, it's mutual, and Thanks so much. I've enjoyed following your career all these years. And finally, we get an interview together. I'm, I'm wishing now I had a show and I could have you on and be my guest. Thank you.
0: Coming up next, HGTV's Plant Mama. This is In Conversation with Anne Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line, info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. From horticulture hero, Mark Cullen, in the business of growing now for decades to a young woman whose gardening career is just beginning to blossom. Amanda Roberts is HGTV's plant mama. A self-taught nurturer of nature's great green gifts, she brings up bulbs like babies. Always ready to raise young roots, she's patient with her impatience and finds it fun to fertilize her philodendrons. Amanda Roberts, aka Plant Mama, joins us now in conversation. So good to have you with us, Amanda. Thank you for inviting me, Anne. I'm so excited to be here. So what is it that you love about indoor gardening? I find it such a great way to take care of myself
2: through taking care of plants, Um, getting really in touch with what they need and uh, paying attention to them helps me kind of ground myself in the moment. I've been working on mindfulness and You know, sitting and and paying attention to my breath is a little bit too abstract for me. I need a little bit more of a tangible focus and mindfully caring for plants uh, is something that really helps ground me and is really good for my mental health.
0: How are you learning to do this? Are the plants teaching you or are you doing trial and error or is it deep research?
2: I think it's a combination of uh, all of the above, a lot of trial and error. People sometimes say to me, you know, uh, oh, I I kill plants all the time Mm -hmm. and I have as many houseplants as you have, and the only reason that I have as many plants as I have is because I've killed many plants and <laughs> learned from the process of killing the plants what not to do in future situations. Uh, but I, I'm not afraid to to delve into the research side of things as well. I, I read the occasional study if I need to know a particular um, fact or figure or to verify something that I suspect. Uh, so it's a, it's a combination of everything you mentioned.
0: Your late grandmother, Lynette, was a tremendous influence On you for so many reasons, including your gardening skills, indoor in particular, to tell me about what she taught you.
2: Yeah, she, uh, I always really admired her gardening skills. She could take care of pretty much any plant, make any plant grow. Um, Some of my earliest plant memories, if you will, are, uh, so I I had an African violet when I was a child and I almost killed it. It was not doing well. And I gave it to her and she brought it back to life. And I was like,
0: how, you know, like I want to be able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And and how did she do that? And how did you figure out how to do that?
2: One thing that I really liked about her approach to gardening is she wasn't afraid to Try unconventional things or keep it simple. Uh, And I'll give you an example. So one time my fiddle leaf fig had um, spider mite, which is a type of pest. And they're really annoying and notoriously difficult to get rid of. And uh, she was alive at the time. So I called her up on the phone and we were chatting plants. And I I told her what was going on. And she told me to uh, spray it with. the the pesticide I was using, neem oil, and cover it with a plastic bag, which is genius because then it keeps the the pests from going to other plants and instead gives the neem oil a chance to get rid of them on the plant. So uh, keeping it simple and um, tips and tricks that may be unconventional have really become part of my approach to plant care, and I, I credit her for that.
0: You know you're quite uh, an experienced academic, if you will, uh, and I'm going to let you explain what you've done so far and what you're working on in terms of grad school. Can you do that for us right now?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I love that you think of me as an experienced academic <laughs> because in in academic circles, I'm just a baby academic, <laughs> like aspiring academic, if you will. But I am in the process of completing my PhD dissertation. Um, in political science. My two areas are uh, feminist political theory and ancient Greek political theory, specifically like Plato, Aristotle, that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to really uh, blend my two passions in a way that, um, well, let's just say that it's not typically taught in mainstream political theory, and I'd like to be part of a, a movement to change that.
0: And your other passion, because there, there are three, actually, and that is indoor plants, are indoor plants, you are HGTV's plant mama. How did that come about?
2: That's a really good question. Um, so I got involved uh, working with Chorus, which is the, the parent company of HGTV Canada, um, writing for their uh, young millennial women brand Slice. Um, and I was doing some online writing for them. And then I moved into doing online writing for HGTV. And uh, with actually the pandemic, um, the team over at HGTV, uh, Soda, they noticed that there was a trend where people were searching more about houseplants, plant care, uh, and I think it was part of a trend that was happening over the past couple of years in general, where houseplants were becoming more popular, especially with uh, my age group, with millennials. But with the pandemic, with people staying home, uh, with more time for hobbies and wanting to make their homes like cozy and comfortable, they saw that kind of trend really take off, and that's when they asked me to start making. Instagram stories and content with them and then earlier this year they pitched to the concept of an original web series called Plant Mama and that's how it came to be.
0: Oh, And I love it. Six full episodes. Season one is in the can, as we say, and it's all available online. So what have you learned about the business of indoor gardening as the host of Plant Mama?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I've learned that there's a lot of space to build community, and the the online, like, social media plant community is really flourishing, and my favorite part of Plant Mama kind of rolling out, the, the episodes rolling out, has been engaging with people in the comments uh, of the various videos or the other media that gets put out around Plant Mama, um, and like answering their plant questions and uh, really encouraging people to demystify plant care, if you will, like it doesn't have to be this complicated thing where, oh my goodness, it's Wednesday, I have to water all of my plants, like, you know, really encouraging people to take a, a laid back approach to plant care, if you will.
0: What's the most common question that people ask you about their indoor plants?
2: Uh, probably why their various plants are dying, especially fiddly figs. Fiddly figs are um, so they're these they're either trees or bushes and they have these large glossy dark green fiddle-shaped leaves. They are beautiful, they make gorgeous decor they're very popular on HGTV shows for for decor in a living room but they are notoriously picky and so difficult to care for. I've had many troubles with mine, um, as I've mentioned. But, um, yeah, so, so I definitely get a lot of fiddle leaf fig questions in particular. Um, and also just plants in general, why is my plants? crisping up? Why does it have dark spots? That kind of thing.
0: Huh. Yes, to all of those questions, I have exactly the same problems. And that's why I love Plant Mama. How can people access what it is you have to offer? How can they see and hear the the six episodes of season one?
2: Yeah, um, probably the best place to go is hgtv.ca. Um, it's under one of the featured shows, it's if you scroll down the page, you'll see Plant Mama, and that'll take you to all of the episodes. And I've actually written accompanying blog posts with tips and tricks that you can uh, use. The other option is to head over to my Instagram, which is at yowplantmom, yow y o w dot plant mom. Um, and. I've shared the episodes there as well, and I continue to share, like, tips and tricks and suggestions and engage with people there.
0: I think you have a rosy future. Amanda Roberts, HGTV's Plant Mama, thank you so much for joining us in conversation. Thanks for having me, Anne. Wow. I now see why gardening is Canada's number one outdoor leisure activity. Enjoy. Follow In Conversation with Anne Romer on Twitter at
1: 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.